Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. And let's be honest, because of the guest tonight, it's all going to be due to listening, but that's all right. Welcome to yet another episode of the Good Life Radio Show. Another picture-perfect day here in the greatest city in the world. So in the time I've been broadcasting this podcast, I've been privileged and honored to interview some of my heroes, Rick Meyer and Tim Couch, all the Kentucky guys, Cameron Mills, Derek Anderson, Daniel Orton, of course, Super Bowl champion, and one of my closest friends, Chris Canty, who helped me start the podcast. He got me Victor Cruz and other players. He co-hosted the show numerous times with me. When I interviewed WWF legend Kamala a few months ago, it was like the second highest rated show I ever had. And I admitted I haven't watched wrestling in maybe 10 to 12 years. The last time I watched wrestling was WrestleMania when Hulk Hogan lost to The Rock in Toronto, and I decided I'm never watching wrestling again. And I guess I grew up more, and I just haven't watched it. I know it's becoming uber popular again, but I can never stop talking about old-school wrestling. So he's already on hold, and I'm going to interview now a true living legend. Um, He's a WWE slash WWF Hall of Famer. People know him as the madman from Sudan, but the whole world knows him as Abdullah the Butcher. So let me get him on the phone right now. Yes, hello. Abdullah, you there, brother? Yeah, this is me. Somebody told me that you were talking about me, talking bad stuff about me. Abdullah, never talking bad about you. You're an absolute living legend. What's going on, my man? Oh, hold on. Abdul, you there? You hanging up on me? Yes, I am. I'm not. But why are you okay, talking I... about me? Tell bad things about me. <laughs> Abdul, that'll never happen. Let me tell you something, Abdullah. When I've, I've been telling people that I'm going to interview you, two questions always come up. The first one I would love for you to answer right away, what is Abdul the Butcher up to now? What are you doing right now with your life? Well, right now, like, I'm, uh, I'm taking care of my restaurant and, uh, like, I'm doing other things and I'm on the uh, uh, face page, uh, um, you know, book in uh, uh, 1941. And uh, all my fans have been calling me and I've been answering them, reading their letters and everything. That's what now, I've been Abdul, doing. The second, question, the second question I always get is why don't you have a website with your merchandise, your figures, old T-shirts? Why don't you have a website where you can make more money and people can buy all your stuff from? Well, I've just been on it for two weeks. Oh, you're on Facebook now. Are you selling stuff on that site? Yeah, that's coming next. That's coming next, but I've been selling stuff. Absolutely. Let me ask you a question. You, You grew up in Ontario, Canada. How did you get involved in wrestling? How did that come about? How did it come about? Uh, like I carried the seventh degree, the uh, like black belt, uh, and um, I was at the Windsor Arena and I was training guys, and there was a promoter named Jack Britton. He came to the Windsor Arena and he said to me, "Hey kid, he said you're pretty good." He says, "Well, I hope they can be a wrestler." I said, oh, "No, I don't want to be no wrestler, you know." And then I jumped up and I said to him, "I says, uh, so he said to me, um, he said I got my son." Uh, like who's training guys. His name was Gino Brito. So anyways, uh, that's how I started. Now, how did you, when did you know that wrestling wasn't going to be fun anymore? Like it wasn't just a, something to mess around with, that it was going to be a livelihood and a way to support yourself. When was that moment that you knew this was going to be your career and your job? Uh, the first time I went to, uh, I went to Detroit, Michigan, 
And uh, uh, Jack Britton's uh, son uh, named Gino Brito, who's a good friend of mine now, been for many years. And uh, um, anyways, the first time that they put me in the ring, there was a promoter named uh, Bert Ruby. And he said, uh, he, he told his partner, Jack Britton, he says, this guy's a natural. And then I started, and uh, that's what happened. Now, Abdul, you're known as the probably one of the original, maybe two or three hardcore legends. Most of your matches ended with blood and violence, with forks, stabbing people. How'd that gimmick come about? How did you go from, you're saying, a judo fighter to this, the king of the hardcore wrestlers with blood in every match? How'd that come about? Well, number one, uh, somebody threw like a nail in the ring. And I grabbed the nail, and I started stabbing the guy in the head. And the people went crazy. And then I started grabbing everything. I started grabbing bottles. I started grabbing uh, chairs. I started grabbing anything more they could get my hands on. That's the way it happened. And all of a sudden, one day, um, I was in the restaurant, and I started using the fork. Now, Abdul, this, this is a question I always ask. You're, you're in your mid-70s. How did you overcome... The sad and tragic reality of young wrestlers. Young wrestlers now all addicted to painkillers and alcohol, and you see so many of these wrestlers die so young. We, the list can go on and on. Every day a new wrestler. How did you overcome that? Considering some of your matches were so hardcore and so violent, how did you stay away from, I guess, being so injured or staying away from the painkillers and the alcohol so much? Well, number one. Um I never did want to go into drugs. I never did want to take steroids. I never wanted to take pain pills because, uh, and I I stayed away from it. And, uh, I mean, like I did drink, don't get me wrong. Uh, Like I like uh, like vodka and grapefruit. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that was, but um, when I started looking around, seeing guys dying and all this other stuff, stuff like that, you know, on steroids and on this, but uh, that was it. You know, that's why I stayed away from it. Now, you're one of the rare, rare wrestlers where you're probably one of the 20 most famous wrestlers of all time. And my biggest question is, you know, when all guys hang out and start talking, old school wrestling comes up. And your name always comes up, of course. And my biggest question was, you're a legend, yet you never stayed in one federation long enough to be the man or win the ultimate title. Why was that? Why do you think that happened that you never stayed in one for, just say, an extended period to be the headliner that you should have been? Well, uh, number one, every time that I'd go into a territory, I would pop the territory, right? And uh, uh, I'd start uh, packing the places. Then all of a sudden, the promoter would say, oh, we got the people up now. Now we don't need Abdullah. And they'd they'd try to bring somebody else in. And then when they brought somebody else in, then the territory went down. Then they called me back. So they were were just using you as such a big headliner. Yeah, like they, I mean, to draw the people, I mean, to get their houses, because a lot of times I went to a place and it was uh, uh, the houses were empty. And then when I went in there and started doing my stuff, the people said, oh, boy, I like this. This is the real shit. And that was it. Now, real quick, yep. how did you, you get the name Abdul the Butcher? Well, uh, uh, when I first started, Jack Britton, uh, he gave me a name, the Great Zealous of Myra. Right. <laughs> And then after that, uh, I went to uh, I went to uh, Seattle, Washington, only to uh, like have a couple of shows. And uh, you know, the promoter said to me, uh, "Oh, you're, you know, the, the promoter says 
oh, I did a great deal of Samara. So um, I went in the ring, I done my stuff, and I, I started a riot. And I was wrestling <laughs> at that time. Um, I uh, was wrestling Don Leo Jonathan. And then like the promoter says, tell Abdullah the Butcher to take the fall. Tell him to take the fall, take the fall, take the fall. So um, I jumped up there. Well, like I took the fall real fast. Printer called the riot. And then uh, uh, the guy said to me, he says, boy, he said, you wrestle like a butcher. And then when I went to Vancouver, I went to Vancouver where his partner was at. Uh, um, his partner was um, moved to Harry Elliott. And uh, uh, Harry Elliott said, hey, butcher, no, he said, you stole the show. But we got to give you another name. So he says, there's a lot of Indians up here, so we're going to call you Abdullah the Butcher. And that's the way it happened. Nice, nice Abdullah. Now, Abdullah, everyone knows about your famous feud with Bruza Brody, but the two feuds, when I was doing some research on it, one of them I knew. I knew about you and Andre fighting down in Puerto Rico. Tell us about uh-huh. you and Andre fighting, and what kind of person was Andre like? Because that would be the headline of all headlines, Abdul the Butcher versus Andre the Giant. So tell us about that fight, and what kind of person was Andre? Well, uh, number one, um, Andre worked for uh, New York. He worked, uh, you know, other places. And uh, he wouldn't fight me. He wouldn't fight me no other place. But he had fight me in Puerto Rico, right? And, and then we sold Puerto Rico out. And then, uh, like, I wrestled him, like, in Tokyo. And we packed the house in, uh, in, in Tokyo. And then uh, uh, tried to bring me in, like, to New York, right? But mm-hmm. uh, like, the boys were knocking me. So that's why I never hit New York. Now, what about Hulk Hogan? Because you fought Hogan a couple times, right? How was that? Now, what kind of, wait, first of all, you never told me. What kind of guy was Andre? Are those backstage stories true that he used to drink 100 beers and he was just a great guy to be around? Sir, let me tell you something. Whatever Andre done, he drew a lot of money. He made a lot of money. And I never knocked nobody what they do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I never knocked. And, uh, you know, this was it. And, uh, but he was a nice guy, and uh, I did matches with him. Now, you made a lot of money, obviously. And one thing I credit you with, because I told you I had Kamala on, and sadly Kamala's doing horrendously financially and health-wise. How did you manage to never be one of these broke wrestlers who were at the convention selling themselves? How did you always, like, basically save all your money? Were you paid that well? Well... I don't want to mention money, but uh, a long time ago, I mean, if I would have been smart a long time ago, mm-hmm. like in like in the, I could have made more money by selling my merchandise. But I, w- I would never talk to the fans until I went to Tokyo. Then when I went to Tokyo, you know, the fans started buying this and started buying that, started buying my boots, started buying all my stuff, and I said, "Holy shit!" And that was it. <laughs> you and know, so, I mean, so don't get me wrong. I mean. I go for autograph sessions now because it is, mm-hmm. uh, uh, that's, that's a good business. Of course, of course. Business. But, you, yeah. you know, you're not one of those guys, like, I don't want to, like, Virgil, like, all these guys who are down the subways just doing so bad. Let me ask you a question about that because I've seen Virgil in the New York subway. You know, he does his autograph signings. Did you deal with a lot of racism in wrestling? Uh, sir, you have racial all over the world. Mm-hmm. You understand? Uh, but... All the guys who, who worked with that dude the butcher, they worked with me to make money. They didn't give a shit. I mean, you know, they, they wanted to be main event. They wanted to be main event. And that was it. 
Now, Abdullah, if when you Google your name, I read a lot about you. You were inducted into the Hall of Fame, yet you never wrestled in the WWF during like, in its heyday ever. But why was that? Why would you basically blackballed from the WWF when in its heyday you would have been? That was when the, it was all the gimmicks, the hillbilly gyms. We'll say Kamala again. It was a gimmick to everybody. Why weren't you in the WWF then, in the early eight, late 80s, early 90s? Well, number one, Hawk Hogan tried to bring me in to the New York. And okay. the manager, uh, uh, what's the manager's name? Uh, 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 Lou, Lou, Lou. Lou tried to bring me in. Okay. Right? Uh, and all these guys tried to bring me in. All the boys were mocking me. Oh, Abdullah's going to use a fork. He's going to do this. He's a gimmick man. He's going to bleed. He's going to do this, stuff like that. And then it was it was cut off. That was it. And then when I seen, uh, when, when they put me in the Hall of Fame, right, when I seen uh, Vince Jr., uh, like he said, oh, I wish I would have never listened. That well, it. that's what I was going to ask you. Did you ever have any interactions with Vince McMahon Jr. going into WWF? Uh, I never, at that time, like I told Johnny Ace one time, I said, Johnny, my dream is to go into Madison Square Gardens and pack the place, you know, with Hogan or with Andre the Giant or what, whatever, or uh, what's his name, uh, uh, The Undertaker or whatever. But uh, it never happened. Now, you mentioned Hogan a couple times. You and Hogan had like, – did, did you and Hogan fight in Japan? You and Hogan had a, had a match before. And did you guys stay we, friends? And he, you said he was adamant about you trying to come to WWF. So you and Hogan were pretty close? Uh, we wasn't close, but he could see money. So that's you all it's about, man, right? That's it. He could see money. So the main thing about it, when you looked at, uh, when you, looked at uh, uh, you know, money – he knew that he could draw a lot of money with me. You see what I mean? All over. And that was it. All Abdul, over. you have literally some of the scariest interviews ever. The Eating of the Raw Chicken is one of the most famous clips on YouTube. Can you describe right. how that came about? How did you think about it and eating the raw chicken? Because that's one of the funniest yet most disturbing. I was, yeah. I was, I was different. I used to eat raw liver. I used to eat uh, 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 light bulbs, I used to eat glass, I used to eat paper, I used to eat uh, money until they told me to stop. And uh, I, used to, uh, I used to do a lot of things. Anything what nobody else done, i done it. And then the people would, the people would remember and say, damn, he ate a raw chicken, or he ate this, or he ate that, or he ate, you know, this. And this is how the people... Is there anyone you wished you could have wrestled that you never got to wrestle that you always said, like, shit, I wish I could have wrestled too? Well, um... uh, Forget about money-wise. Forget about the money reason. Is there any wrestler you wanted to just wrestle because either you respected him or... See, my dream match for you would have been Mick Foley. And he he speaks very highly of you. You and Mick Foley, that would have been a great match. Yeah, but we did wrestle, uh, me and Foley. We wrestled okay, so who, who would be your dream match then? Who would be my dream match right now? Uh, you mean, uh, uh, I would like to wrestle Hogan. Really? Yeah, I'd like to wrestle Hogan in New York. In the garden, right? Yes, in the garden, all over New York. 
Abdul, I'm going to tell you my favorite memory of you. I was probably 10 years old, and it was Halloween Havoc, 91. Yeah. And when we were, you in the cage when you got electrocuted? That was probably, I remember I was 10 years old. That was probably the scaredest I ever, ever was when I was little watching wrestling. Halloween Havoc, 91, in that match. Do you remember that match? Yes, but a lot of people thought that, that they thought that I was really being electrocuted. Until, because the, the Japanese were calling in, oh, Butcher son, you know, uh, um, 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 he was uh, uh, um, electrocuted. And then when they opened up the, opened up the gate, right, and then mm-hmm. I beat the show of wrestlers, he said, <laughs> <laughs> he said there's only one Abdul the Butcher. <laughs> so that was it. Yeah. Abdul, you fought all over the world. You're an international superstar. Where is your favorite place to wrestle, and who? What fans love you the most? The Japanese. And you love the Japan? Japanese. Oh, I love Japan. I've been going there for 42 years. 42 when you years, I mean, look, what happened, Abdul? I've been going there for 42 years, and they're. Uh, and they keep on uh, uh, calling me, saying, Abdul, please get your hip done. Get your hip done. We want you back. We want you back. Montreal wants me back. Uh, Puerto Rico wants me back. All the places they want me back. Well, that was actually my next question. When you and I spoke on the phone the other day, we spoke for a while, tell everybody what's going on with your hip, and if you do get the replacement, are you going to do any kind of wrestling at your age? Yes. It's like, uh, um, what's the boxer's name? Uh, uh, what's his name? Oh, uh, the guy that has got the, 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 the little stove, um, like he sells the stove, you know, the, like, the, uh, uh, what is his name? Uh, uh, he fought, um, oh, he fought, I can't think of the name, um, you know, the big guy, you know, with the ball head, and he never did sit down, he always used to stand up. Who, uh, Foreman? Foreman, yeah. George Foreman. I mean, what happened to yeah, what happened to George Foreman? George Foreman went there and said, I am going to do what? I mean, uh, all these young guys said, oh, well, I'm going to beat that old man's ass. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And mm-hmm. that's what I come back. That's, that's what they're going to be saying about me. Oh, that Abdul the Butcher, I'm going to you know, beat that old man up and shit like that. And I'm going to do the <laughs> same thing. I'm going to beat them up. And so, now what's going on with hip? Are you going to get hip replacement surgery? Oh, yes, I'm waiting for another two more months. Two more months. Now, as soon as they yeah. Yeah. Abdul, a couple more questions. What is your biggest regret in wrestling? Do you have any regrets that you said you wish you could have done what differently? What I would have done differently? You know what that would have been? Yeah. yeah. I would have done a lot more than what I do now. A lot more. Meaning- believe me. See, back then, I used to promote guys to Japan. I used to promote guys, you know, to Australia. When I was going into Australia, I used to, uh, I used to promote them for Stu Hart. You know what I mean? And then, uh, uh, and that's why every time I talk about Stu Hart, me and Stu Hart was, uh, he was like a father to me. You know what I mean? So the guy, you know, saved my life many times, Stu Hart. Mm-hmm. And he was a great now, do, do, you have, do you keep, I'm always curious, do you keep, when I interview all these different athletes, do you keep any of your old memorabilia? Do you keep anything that means a lot to you, whether it be trunks or boots? Do you keep any of that? Well, most of the stuff I sell. I sell all my pictures. I sell my uh, my boots and stuff like that. I sell everything. 
Now, do you have yep. any of your action figures? Do you keep your own action figures? I'm always that is my biggest thing. I wish I could have an action figure made of me. You have the WWF classic one. Do you have any of your action figures laying around? Well, uh, um, there's a lot of people that who made them, and uh, uh-huh. a lot of people, you know, ripped me off on them. But uh, oh, really? Really? On the people know that I will, I will come back. Uh, you know, like the real Abdullah the Butcher, and every uh, statue of Abdullah the Butcher, I will sign it to people's name. <laughs> Abdullah, let me ask you a no, question. Sir. I have a couple more questions for you. What is your greatest memory of wrestling? There has to be a million, but which one sticks out, whether it be a big match? What is your greatest memory in, inside the ring? The greatest match, the greatest match, uh, uh, when I first went to uh, um, Calgary, Alberta. I went to Calgary, Alberta, and, uh, you know, Stu Hart, uh, Stu Hart came up to me and says, hey, uh, I hear that you're, uh, you're an animal, <laughs> but... Uh, he said you draw a lot of people uh, uh, a lot of money, so let's see what you can, uh, you know, do for me. And then when I started drawing him money, he says, uh, Ab, I have uh, two people. He said, I have two animals in my house. I says, uh, Stu, what do you mean two animals? He says, uh, well, number one, I have a black cat that I, that, that, Every day I brush his hair. You know, I, I, I brush him and comb and stuff like that. He says, but, the, you know, the white cat, uh, I don't care too much for him. I said, Stuart, what do you mean you don't care too much for the, the white cat? He says, because, uh, Ab, uh, you know, uh, uh, you're uh, uh, a black bastard. That, like, he says, you're like that cat, and you draw me a lot of money. So he says, I have to take care of you, right? And then his wife. His wife, every year, used to make me a birthday cake. So Stu Hart would come and say, I'm doing this is for my wife. And I said, Stu, can I ask you a personal question, please? Why do you keep on, why does your wife keep on uh, making me a chocolate cake? And uh, he says, uh, says, uh, Ab, he says, uh, well, you're chocolate. And he says, uh, "Why why should I give you a white cake? I said, oh, I said, sometimes it'd be nice if I could do change and give me a white cake. You understand? And that was it. Yeah. Uh, that's a great story. I have a question. Is this true or false? I think Mick Foley said it once in an interview, that you guys were at a casino and you have those deep, yeah. deep scars in your head. Did you put gambling chips in those scars and just frighten everyone at the casino? Is that true or false? Yeah. Yeah. Like I took the chips. I took the chips, I put the chips in my, uh, like in my head, and the people said, I said, now, if I win, I'm going to put these here on the table, right? Okay. But the funniest, the, fun, the funniest story, when I was driving with Cactus Jack, and uh, I always wanted to go with Cactus Jack because he was never into drugs, right? Okay. So one day, so one day uh, like I needed a ride to come back. And Cactus said, hey, Abdullah, you can, uh, you can come back with me. I said, okay, Cactus, thank you very much. And it was cold. And we're driving down the highway, and I'm saying, uh, um, Cactus, uh, when are you going to put up the – because uh, uh, he had like, a convertible. He said, okay. well, my convertible he – said, he said, the top don't work. I said, don't work. And all these other cars that were going by were looking at us. Right? <laughs> And it, and it was raining. It was raining a little bit, and now here's two idiots like in the car with, with the top down, 
and I said, and I was freezing to death. Believe me, I was freezing to death. And I said to uh, you know Cactus, I said, should I do it? I told you I didn't have no no top. You know what I mean? I mean it, that, that the top wouldn't go up. But Cactus Jack, believe me, is a gentleman. His whole yeah, he's is one gentleman. of the nicest guys, especially on Twitter and stuff. Now, are you still friends? Like when I mean friends, I mean you still talk to any wrestlers? And if so, who are they? Which ones are you still close with? I don't talk to too many guys, you know what I mean? Because they don't want to be bothered. But uh, I always talk to, uh, I talk to Curtis Colon and, uh, and uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Bobby Fortin. We're, we're, me and Bobby's really tight. That we talk were, you, were you surprised that you were inducted into the WWE, WWF Hall of Fame, considering you never fought or wrestled in that federation? Were you surprised about that? Yeah, well, let me ask you a question. Let me tell you what happened. Number mm-hmm. one, Johnny H called me up, and he, he called me up, and he said, Abdullah, uh, we want to put you in the Hall of Fame. I said, please, Johnny, do me a favor, please. Call me back, because I'm sleeping right now, and I don't believe what you're saying. Right? Mm-hmm. So, so he said, no, I have, Abby, I was like, I'm serious. I'm like, so they put me in the, in the Hall of Fame. I've been in the business 52 years. 52 years. And they put me in the, in, the, in, the, in the Hall of Fame three years ago. I should have been in the Hall of Fame 40, 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's why, that's why the, uh, the ring they give me, I never wear it. I give it, I give it to my brother. And that's really? It. Never well, you, felt dis- you feel disrespected that you weren't in earlier? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, can you imagine somebody being there for 40, uh, 40-something years? So you no, no, Abdul, I said it. You're one of the 20 most recognizable wrestlers of all time. Right, but the main part of that, you know, huh? uh, uh, you know, the people who was talking about uh, uh, like Abdullah the Butcher and stuff like that, it's been, uh, they put me on, uh, like on the TV, uh, like for the Hall of Fame, what, three years ago? So yeah. you figure three years ago is what? You understand? I mean, yeah, of course. Uh, Listen, I'm with you. I was curious. And what did didn't Billy Graham say something about it? He sounded like a real asshole. What did Billy Graham say that he didn't? What did he say? He said you didn't deserve to be in it. Sir, top Billy Graham so much stuff in Calgary, Alberta. When he first came to Calgary, Alberta was unbelievable. Okay. I taught him a lot of. You see what I mean? And that was it. But I don't pay no attention to him. I don't pay no attention to him at all. And that's it. Abdul, a couple more questions to you. How did you get involved in your rib store? Because when I, your name came up, long story short, we're at work, your name came up as one of the greatest wrestlers. And I'm like, wow, I would love to interview Abdul. So I Google you, I find the house of ribs. How did you get involved with this rib store, which is supposed to be phenomenal? The reviews on it are great. How did you get involved with this? Yeah, but you got to realize realize one thing, sir. You understand? Yes, sir. I am different. I am Mm -hmm. different. I said, I'm going to have Chinese food and barbecue. And, and, and if you talk to the people, they say, well, you are different. And that's it. And now the store mm-hmm. obviously is obviously successful on Yelp, on all these reviews that they're through the roof. It's what? I said, no, I said your reviews there are through the roof. I'll do two more questions for you, and then I'm going to let you go. I appreciate, again, you coming on. One, I always ask, this is my one question I always ask everybody. And it's a silly question, but I'm always curious. Who's the coolest person in your phone? If you want to impress somebody right now, you take out your cell Uh phone. What phone number in your phone can impress somebody? Like, I have this person's phone number in my phone. Who who impresses the most? 
Well, if my if my mother and father was alive, I would say them. But my okay. brothers and sisters, I, I would say them. And you, have no, you have no famous people on your phone, Abdullah? Pardon? You have no famous people on your phone or some celebrity in your phone? No, no, no. I mean, the only celebrity that, that I have, and uh, I pray to him all the time, and that's God. That's the only celebrity that, uh, you know, that I talk to. Now, Abdul, the last question, and you, you know it has to be brought up, and if you don't want to speak about it, it's fine. Because the lawsuit, it seems absolutely ridiculous and embarrassing, and every time you read about it, everyone says that they know you would never do this. Can you talk about the lawsuit with the hepatitis or no? No, I don't want to talk about that, but the main part about it is here. You would have to take every wrestler mm-hmm. and uh, um, let them to be checked. They'd have to be checked, every wrestler. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been I've been in the business 52 years, and I've fought the punks, I've fought everybody. You understand, like you know, with blood and stuff like that. And now this guy, he, he is now he says that he's better. Yeah, I don't even say name. I don't want to give him any publicity because he's an absolute. He's a clown. The fact that he's even doing this lawsuit is a joke. And no, the right. fact that no one, the fact that no one else came aboard that lawsuit, you can tell it's bullshit because uh-huh. if it was a real lawsuit. Everyone in the world would be jumping on the bandwagon. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. But it, but it, but it's all uh, it, it's all a game, and mm-hmm. uh, you know that's so. I don't want to say nothing else about that. Abdul, Abdul, listen, bro. I had an absolute awesome time interviewing you. I'll send you down when I told you I'd send down to you. And thank you so much, okay. my friend. I really appreciate it. And listen, I'll keep in touch with you when you get that hip ready. I'm going to interview you again before your next big match. Is that a deal? All right, so you got it. Okay, thank you very much. I'll keep uh, keep in touch with you, okay? Remember, you got one father and one mother. Make sure you take care of them. (laughs) Always, always, Abdul. I'll talk to you later, my friend. All right, sir. Be good, brother. All right. The great Abdul the Butcher. It's a pretty fun interview with Abdul the Butcher. All right, we actually have a couple of shows lined up for the rest of the week. Lucas Brown, the uh, Australian heavyweight, who's going to be the professional undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. And we have a few other guests coming on. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We're going to go watch the Chicago Blackhawks, LA Kings, see who the Rangers play in the Stanley Cup, and I'll talk to everybody soon. Thank you.